Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome back to five questions on the YouTube and podcast homes for BamaOnline.com. Travis Schreier, senior analyst for BOL, alongside senior team reporter Charlie Potter. Charlie Potter, fresh from College Station, where the Alabama Crimson side down the host Texas A&M Aggies by a score of twenty-six to twenty. It is a Wednesday afternoon, and I see you're properly adorned this afternoon because I'm sure you're a little anxious about those Atlanta Braves in Philadelphia this evening trying to trying to take that one game lead in that best of five Charlie yeah it's uh, been a not ideal start I mean the end of game two was great but it, it looked like it was going to be a 0-2 hole to dig out of but uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get some good news tonight yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the Braves can uh, get themselves back in a good spot in Philly coming up a little bit later on. But we're going to talk some Alabama football, as you might guess, with Charlie Potter here on the latest edition of Five Questions. And we'll get the five questions going this way, Charlie. We'll start on defense with Dallas Turner, who leads the SEC in sacks right now with six and a half through six games. I'm going to go ahead and set his 12-game Regular season over under for sacks at 13 and a half. Dallas is on a heater. You going to go over or under that 13 and a half, Charlie? I find myself to be pretty conservative with these. Um, 13 and a half is a lot. Uh, just looking back at last year, you know, Will Anderson had 10 in 13 games. So, um, but Dallas is, is like you said, he's on a run right now. And, and Will didn't really have a run like this last season. I mean, we know what he was able to do in 2021, 
But um, I do think that the Dallas can easily get to double-digit sacks. I would feel comfortable if you said 12, getting to that number. But, man, 13 and a half, it's it's a lot. So I, I would go under. I think the thing is, too, I think, you know, you're, you're going against SEC teams from here on out outside of the, the Chattanooga game. But you have another guy – uh, on the other side of him, who's seen success in Chris Bryce, we've seen some of these defensive linemen see success. I think that can help Dallas, but it also might take away some of these sacks. These other guys are having success getting to the quarterback as well. So the pass rush as a whole has been really good here of late, especially the start of SEC play. I think Dallas can continue to to go on this run that he's been on, but 13 and a half says that's a big, big number. It is a lot, and I think as you alluded to there, ideally you would like to see a spreading of the wealth. You'd like to see Chris Braswell approach double digits by the end of the regular season. Certainly these interior guys, uh, the defensive line in general, with Justin Aboigby taking a step forward against Texas A&M. You know, just a couple weeks ago, I think I asked the question, or it was a true or false, uh, would uh, Alabama defensive linemen have multiple sacks for the season? And we got that answered here pretty pretty much in the last couple of weeks because Tim Keenan's come along, Jaheim Otis, uh, Justin Aboigby. So absolutely, it would be great to see four or five, six guys, including these inside linebackers too, right? Because we saw that at Texas A&M. Tresman Marshall, uh, Deontay Lawson, they may not have always gotten home on Max Johnson, but they certainly caused him some issues. They did, yeah. And I think getting Deontay Lawson back um... – is, is huge for multiple reasons. But when you're just talking about a pass rush standpoint, he's been effective. You know, he has some uh, moves out there that are really impressive to watch. And um, I think that he just, he helps the defense in general, clearly. But his ability to get pressure um, is big. Yeah, you're right with Tresman Marshall. Uh, I think it was Cole Kublik tweeted out a, a pic of him just, uh, or a video of him just annihilating a running back trying to come up and pass protection. And he was able to get um, a quarterback hurry in the game. We've seen these guys from inside linebacker position have success in, in rushing the passer. And I think that defensive front seven as a whole is really starting to find its footing. Um, you know, something I'm, I've been working on and, and going to post later on the site uh, probably tomorrow. But this is a defense that seems to be hitting its stride in all phases, whether it's the pass rush up front. We've seen them now reach their um, interception total from last year. I know that's something we're going to talk about here in a little bit. But this seems to be clicking. And even when guys go down, other guys have stepped up. I think that's key. You know, that's going to be important this week, too, against Arkansas. But I do think having Deontay Lawson back not only helps the defense, but helps that pass rush and giving another guy that can get after the quarterback. Yeah, and, you know, it's been tough for some of their dime guys because they haven't been in dime as much, it seems like, the last couple of games. So, you know, there's a guy like Q Robinson that can come off the bench and also give you some pass rush in those – rabbit opportunities but absolutely the more the merrier when it comes to pass rush because that was something they didn't get enough of last year you know it was yeah. pretty much will anderson or bust wasn't it it was and i mean granted will's a special player but um you got to have guys step up around him and i think that's what's been so encouraging about this defense is it's not only dallas and chris braswell who have formed arguably the best uh, edge rushing duo in the SEC, if not the country. But you, like we talked about earlier, you have those defensive linemen that are getting that pressure. Uh, it's great to see Justin Boyby have the season he's had so far coming off of that kind of scary uh, injury he had last year. Is this game uh, last season, we found out that um, 
Aboibe wasn't going to be suiting up against the Razorbacks. So to see him have this success is good. And and Tim Keenan, man, what a what a surprise for him just to be able to come in and not only contribute, be a starter and, and be a damn good one. So I do think that that spreading of the wealth, as you put it, has been very beneficial for this defense. And if they can keep it up, this can be a really special group. Speaking of this game a year ago, our next question involves Jalen Milrow coming off that fantastic performance against Texas A&M. Of course, a year ago at this time, he saw significant action against the Arkansas Razorbacks. As it relates to this season, I'm going to ask you, which is the bigger surprise? The Alabama offense averaging just 3.7 yards per carry in the run game? Are Milrow averaging 10.4 yards per attempt when he throws the football? I think both are a little surprising. I do know that, um, you know, whatever was said about Jalen as a passer going into this season, one thing a lot of people consistently said is the guy's got a cannon of an arm. So we know he can throw it downfield. I think the accuracy has been really impressive and a good thing for this offense. Hell, it was huge last week in, in College Station. But to me, the bigger surprise is the the run game and the struggles that that's had. You look at this past week. I know that you know Texas A&M's defensive front is really good, but um, you know you come away with twenty three rushing yards. I know some of that is, or a lot of that is due to the sacks that Alabama allowed, or Jalen Milrow you know, didn't get the ball out of his hands quick enough. Um, but still, you know you have Jason McClellan with with twelve attempts and, and forty five yards. Widow William with six for nine. Um, you got to have better production or production uh, from your running backs. And I think it's a collective effort. Um, I, I think the reason it's such a big surprise for me is everything we heard in the offseason uh, from Nick Saban about this running back group and the depth there. We've really only seen Jace and Roy Dale. Uh, and then the offensive line and the, the mentality that they had and, and wanted to have this season in terms of being a physical dominant unit uh, to be able to pick up their short yardage situations like we haven't seen in the past. So I think with, you know, everything that was said and kind of the, the identity, maybe this offense wanted to have from a balanced and a run first approach, the fact that they haven't had as much success on the ground is the more surprising number, at least at the midway point of the season. I agree. I think Jalen has a hand in both of those, obviously, because sacks come off your rushing total in college. Yeah. Uh, so those have been an issue uh, through six games, uh, some of it protection related, some of it Jalen related. Uh, and then you think about the 3.7 yards per carry in terms of what would it really be if not for Jalen's explosiveness at times, you know, it would be, it would be lower, I guess, too. So it's kind of a, a two way thing there with the yards per carry, but still, when you look at these running backs and you think about Jace McClellan and Roy Dell Williams, both those guys right now are under five yards per carry, which is kind of the benchmark for the top backs in, in college football. I think, though, if you look around the SEC, there's several offenses that aren't exactly piling up the yards per carry numbers. I think it speaks to just how aggressive de defenses have become on an every down basis. You know, it used to be kind of play you straight up on first down, but then maybe get you in second and long, third and long. Then you'd see some some blitzing and things like that. Man, people are loading up on first down these days, it seems like. So, you know, as it relates to those running backs, so we really haven't seen much of really Jam Miller of late or Justice Haynes, certainly. Do you think there's a, a pathway for one or both of those guys to perhaps become 
more involved in this offense with an emphasis on the run game? I know fans want to see that. Um, and that's something Nick Saban talked about. It's been a few weeks now, but just wanting uh, to get them more involved. Um, you know, it's we've seen in the past Alabama use three running backs and they've had success with it. And I think, you know, both of these senior backs, I think the surprise to me is the fact that you have those those older running backs that have had significant injuries in their history, if not even getting the third guy in there to give them more of a break. Now, I think Jace has been really good. Um, I think Roy Dell's kind of been a little inconsistent. And that inconsistency has kind of left you scratching your head a little bit as to why maybe Jam or even Justice Haynes hasn't gotten in the game. But, you know, it's it is weird. You know, you look at it, um, only Vandy, Arkansas and South Carolina have you know fewer yards per uh, rushing attempt. And Arkansas has a hell of a back and, and Rocket Sanders. I know he's dealt with an injury, but I don't even think he has 100 yards for the season. So you're right in the fact that other teams have have struggled and uh, whether it's what they're doing offensively or what defense is doing against them. It's a, it's kind of a, a trend, I guess you could say. But in terms of just what Alabama does from a personnel standpoint, I think that getting Jam or Justice involved later in the season could be a good thing for the offense. Um, I know a lot of people were clamoring for, for Justice this past week. I don't know if throwing him in the fire at Texas A&M would have been the move, but uh, maybe we'll get to see him or, or Jam or maybe a combination of both more moving forward you know because charlie we're glass half full people around here i'm going to give you a scenario in which i'm going to make a case for the alabama run game still being effective even though it didn't produce what 30 rushing yards at a&m <laughs> i'll say this a&m remained hypersensitive to the potential for the run game and you go back and you yeah. watch some of those completions right they're in single high coverage. They're leaving a corner out there, man for man, on Jermaine Burton. And play action still is effective for this offense. So if you want to look at it from a positive perspective, the numbers weren't great. There's no denying that. But I think it also helped Alabama throw some of those deep balls uh, in just the passing game in general in that uh, it wasn't like A&M was you – know, playing a six-man box against Alabama or just kind of, you know, sacrificing something in the run game. They still want, in defenses that see Alabama, it seems like Charlie, still primarily want to take away that run game first. Yeah, and I think, kind of to your point, I think Jalen has a, a hand in that. His ability just to take off and, and make mm -hmm. explosive plays is uh, really dangerous. And, um, you know, a lot of teams are committing to spy to him. It makes a lot of sense. And, um that that affects your run game. You have another defender down there. So um, I do think, though, that with the success they have with these play-action passes, the RPOs, uh, and just his ability to throw the ball deep, you might see that loosen up a little moving forward if he continues to be accurate with that and see success. And that might open up things for the run game moving forward, too. So that's another positive outlook, that the way that Jalen Milrow seems to be progressing and becoming more confident and being able to – you know, throw not only deep shots, but the an intermediate passing game. I think that could, later on down the road, that could be beneficial to these backs in that offensive line. Yeah, loosen up that box a little bit, make teams play them a little bit more honest uh, in the in the back end. That would, that would certainly help, you would think, as well. Let's get back to the defense, Charlie. Between Caleb Downs, Jihad Campbell, Terry Ann Arnold, Chris Braswell, Jalen Key, and Malachi Moore, 
Six different Alabama defenders have contributed to Alabama's interception total of seven this season. Who is your pick as the next guy to join that group of interceptors for the Alabama defense? Because it's a nice wide variety even to this point. It is, yeah. You know, Caleb Downs with a couple. He's played great here of late. Um, just looking at the list and just your knee-jerk reaction without even you know looking at the roster or, or maybe even breaking down the stats of who's been targeted, uh, you've got everybody in that nickel secondary except for Cooley McKinstry. And uh, with the way Terry and Arnold's been playing of late, you can't just be like, okay, we'll throw it to the three side and, and avoid – uh, one that, that that doesn't work as much because Terrian's played at a really high level. So I think the success of Terrian Arnold, if you're going to be like, who's the next person to join this intersection interception column, I have to go with Kool Aid just because he's a guy that um, you know he can get his hands on the ball. We've seen him do in the past, and when he does, he can make things happen. Uh, so that would be uh, an exciting development for this defense. But that one seems like the obvious to me. I also thought about Deontay Lawson because he's really sound in coverage. Uh, he's an athletic guy. We've seen him you know, create turnovers in the past. So I think those are my top two candidates, but Kool-Aid's kind of the obvious one. Um, you know, Beyond that, it, it'll be interesting to see this week because it, it kind of sounds like based off what Nick Saban said earlier today on the SEC teleconference, and I might be taking all of your options away here talking about it, but <laughs> it, it doesn't sound like Malachi Moore will be able to go this week. They're going to, you know, game time decision, but – they kind of made it sound like they're planning to not have him and James Burnup uh, against Arkansas. If that's the case, then you get a lot of more of Trey Amos in the game. And if Trey Amos is out there on the boundary, Tyron Arnold moves into uh, the slot at star, you pick on number nine a little bit more. He could be the next guy to do it. That wouldn't shock me at all either. So I think the, the big thing is this defense this season has been more opportunistic. They've been creating turnovers. They've already matched last year's total at the midway point of the season. So um, it's, Kind of pick your poison. And I think there are going to be multiple guys to join this list before the season ends. Yeah, Kool-Aid's like, I should already be on the list. He lost <laughs> yeah. that interception at South Florida. I mean, you think about the lost takeaways, the lost touchdowns because of penalties. Uh, Kool-Aid lost one down in Tampa. I think you hit on the three. Uh, Deontay Lawson might be my pick because I think he's just so good in coverage. Somebody's going to throw him one here. Uh, in the not-too-distant future, kind of like Mississippi State did, Will Rogers did with Jihad Campbell, especially if the pass rush is going to continue to be what it is out of that four-man front or that four-man group. Uh, these quarterbacks by the third or fourth quarter, they, they don't like holding on to it too long, and uh, they'll throw it to some linebackers. It's a great point about Trey Amos, I think, in relation to, to Malachi's situation. And when you look at it in the nickel, if Malachi doesn't play, and your options are to go at Kool-Aid, Terry and Arnold, or Trey Amos, you're probably going to go at number nine. And and I, I've been on record. I think he's very capable uh, of doing some good things at, at that corner spot. So, yeah, I like all three of those. Um, I, I think you're on it with those, and uh wouldn't surprise me really in any order with that trio. So it's a trap game week, Charlie. Have you heard? Trap game after that big road win at Texas A&M for Alabama, Tennessee on the horizon here in the next week. Here comes a struggling Arkansas team to Bryant-Denny Stadium. So I'm going to ask you, your trap game level of concern for the Crimson Tide going into this one? Uh, I guess if you put it on a scale of like one to ten, maybe six, six and a half, um, just because – 
if this was a big game against Texas A&M, I know a lot of people have circled that Tennessee game, you know, next week on the calendar after what happened last season. Uh, so that kind of is the, the recipe for a trap game. And Arkansas, um, you know, they haven't had a great season. If you look at their record, they're two and four, zero oh and three in SEC play. But one thing that Nick Saban's done this week is, and it's, you know, a byproduct of what he's told the team as well, is that, you know, this is a team that's had a lot of tough losses. Um, you know, you look at this past week, they lost by what, a touchdown uh, to Ole Miss. They lost by three to LSU, a touchdown to BYU. Uh, the AM game got away from them a little bit, but they've had a lot of tough, close losses. And uh, we haven't really heard the same verbiage that he used for Mississippi State, talking about how uh, they're a bigger challenge than Ole Miss. But, you know, he's gotten the point across of you can't overlook these guys because they've been in some some tough games against teams that Alabama's already faced. So I think that's advantageous. But, um, you know, Arkansas, I think they're at the bottom of the SEC in total offense. The way this defense is playing, even if Malachi Moore's not on the field, they shouldn't have too much trouble um, against the Hogs. Now, if KJ Jefferson's a load, you know, he's a big dude back there. It's tough to bring down, but Alabama is very familiar with him having faced him last few seasons. Uh, the run game for Arkansas hasn't really gotten going like we have seen them have in the past. Um, again, Rocket Sanders coming off that injury. He had a, a big game against Alabama last year. But um, I, I think that if this offense can continue to trend in the right direction, I thought the offensive line last week, even though you look at the numbers and they gave up six sacks, I thought they were pretty good in pass protection against that A&M front. And, um, you know, Arkansas doesn't have those same dudes up front. So if this, this offense can continue to kind of trend in the right direction, if they can establish that run game and be more balanced, Alabama should win this game pretty convincingly. But, you know, it's that Nick Saban adage of, you know, doing your job and uh, going out and executing and not worrying about the opponent and, all that mumbo jumbo. If they do that, this should be uh, an easy game. And I don't think Alabama's lost an 11 a.m. kick either. So that kind of uh, falls into the the storylines this week of them seeing success despite it being an early kick. Yeah, early homecoming kick on Saturday at yeah. Bryant-Denny Stadium. And, yeah, I mean, you're talking about trust level uh, as much as anything with this team because week to week, I think there is still some – apprehension when it comes to the fan base and certain corners of the fan base about, okay, you know, can I really trust this team? Well, I think you can trust this defense and I think you can yep. trust this kicking game, even if James Burnup can't go because props to Will Reichard stepping in there like he did at college in college station and performing as well as he did uh, in a crunch there. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I think the way this team plays it could be a game Alabama wins commandingly, but maybe not by 30, if that makes any sense, because of yeah, this defense, right? Um, it's kind of like the some of the retro Alabama teams under Nick Saban. It, it can win that way. You know, it can win a game 24 to 10, and it feel like it's 45 to 3. You know, like the other team really never had much of a of a chance. Energy is everything this week. I get the sense Alabama is rejuvenated after that win at Texas A&M. Um, I get the sense that Arkansas going from BYU a loss, LSU a loss, um, just the path that it has been on over these last four games, uh, it's been very, very tough. And so I think juice should be in the corner of this Alabama team, even with that early kickoff. 
on Saturday at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Finally, finally, Charlie, at the midway point of the season, this Alabama team has underperformed, overperformed, or performed about as expected, in your opinion. It's tough because I I don't really think it it fits into any of those. I think that this team's been a little different than what I thought, at least from an offensive standpoint, going back to what we were talking about with the the yards per carry average, I thought they would be more, more balanced. Um, I thought this running back room in the run game could be a real strength of this team, but they still, in spite of that, had success. And a lot of that credit goes to Jalen Milrow. I think he's improved. His confidence is, is clearly, you know, growing each week. And uh, you can tell he's, got more command and more comfortability back there in the pocket just in terms of of leading this offense and even reading the defense. So I think that it's it's really none of the above because we all kind of agreed over at BOL that Texas game is going to be tough. Uh, But to be at the midway point, to have one of these games they have uh, to begin SEC play, um, and for the defense to to be – playing the way it has uh, and heck even the specialists being you know at, near the top of the list of team mvps it's been a little bit of a different vibe it wasn't i didn't expect this defense to be bad by any stretch but they've been really good and really an all-around unit um so i, I think that for me i guess i would go with as expected but not in the way i thought they would get here i guess is the point um you know losing a, a single game um early on I think Alabama has the potential to, to run this thing out and get to Atlanta with one loss. But um, I, I just think the way that we've gotten here, especially that offensive side of the ball, kind of being not what we expected, I think that's really my hesitation for even categorizing any of those. I think it's a, it's a good question because it is such a different group. Nick Saban even mentioned it today on the SEC teleconference, how this is a different team. But um, I think that they're starting to kind of find that identity, find their footing. And you know, if they can get guys healthy and continue to clean up some of these mistakes they've had, I think this is a team that can have a real shot to make some noise late in the season. Yeah, you are what your record says you are, right? And you yeah. hit on some of the things that we anticipated for this team with this schedule in the first half of the season, specifically the Texas matchup and when it was going to take place in week two and understanding who Texas was bringing back and what Alabama was going to be going through at multiple positions, including some of the most critical that there are on the football field. So five and one, that looks about right to me. Um, You know, and we'll see. It might have been a better question to ask after these next two games going into the bye week. It might be a better sort of mile marker to pose that query about this team i'm with you though for right now five and one not surprised by that so i'll go with as expected and as expected charlie potter always great here with us on five questions we always appreciate the time charlie always look forward to your great work for us right there at bamaonline.com as well for charlie potter travis ryer thanking you once again for joining us right here on five questions on the youtube and podcast homes for BamaOnline.com. Until next time, so long, everybody. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 
in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-424-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.